book of Revelation, chapter 21. And while you're doing that, I have a couple of announcements to make just before we speak the word. Chapter 21, turn with me. I'm going to read in the King James Version today, the, Bible, the translation I'm most familiar with. And I think it will be very close to what you have, if you have one different than the one that will be up here. Revelation 21, 1 to verse 8. And I saw a new heavens and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and he will be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold... I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is the word of the Lord. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. I have something to say to you. Amen. Here are some of the top verses in the book of Revelation. Revelation 1.7 Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him, and they also which pierced Him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him. 1.18 Another one of the I Am's. In John you got, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the true vine. I am the resurrection and the life. And here in... Revelation 1.18 I am he that liveth and was dead and am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of death and of hell. Chapter 3 verse 20 Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hear my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. 7.14 These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. 14.13, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. 20, verse 15, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. 22, 18, and 19, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, or from the tree of life, I should say. 
Those are some of the many outstanding passages in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is an apocalyptic book filled with symbolism. There are approximately 400 allusions in the book of Revelation to the Old Testament. So if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, the book of Revelation is going to be somewhat obscure to you. And there's something very unique about the book of Revelation in in comparison to every other book in the Bible, besides the fact that it's apocalyptic and visionary and so on. What do you think that is that is the most very unique thing about the book of Revelation? Something that's said about the book of Revelation. Does anybody have it? Yes. Amen, sister. I love it. Blessed is he that readeth the words of this prophecy and hears the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written therein. Blessed is he that reads. That's the only book in the Bible where God says there's a blessing for the one who reads this book. Ironically, it's probably the most neglected book in many Christian circles. How could that be when God assures us that there's a blessing to the reader and to the hearer and to to the one who keeps the words of this prophecy? I love those three things. The reader, the hearer, and then the keeper. There's a blessing for that person. Now, blessing... The book of Revelation is filled with blessings. Listen to the ones that are blessed. We already read about the one who's the reader is the one that's blessed. Chapter 14, 13. I already quoted this one before. I had heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. What a blessing to die in the Lord. Not everybody dies in the Lord, do they? There's only two ways to die. You either die in the Lord or you die in your sins. What could be written on your gravestone? One or two of those inscriptions could be invisibly put on your tombstone. Died in the Lord or died in your sins. To one, it says, is a blessing. They rest from their labors. They're with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. For the earth, Jesus said, If you die in your sins where I am, you cannot come. To the thief on the cross, He says, Today you'll be with Me in paradise. A forgiven person has the knowledge and assurance that they go to be with the Lord. The one who lives and chooses to be in their sins dies and goes to the outer darkness forever and ever. Other blessings... In chapter 16, verse 15, Behold, I come as a thief in the night. Blessed is he that watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. 19, verse 9, He saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. He saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. What a blessing it is to be called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's a supper you don't want to meet. Not because of the food, but because of the one who is center stage at that supper, the Lord Jesus. Blessed are those who are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. 20 verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath his part in the first resurrection. 
on such the second death has no power. Blessed is the one who's called unto the first resurrection. And I believe that that first resurrection is actually regeneration life that we have in this world right now. If you've been saved, you are regenerated, you are resurrected with Christ, seated with Him in the heavenly places. What a blessing that is. Chapter 22, verse 7. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Of this book. The book of Revelation. If we keep it, it's worthy of being studied, brothers and sisters. Read at least. I know there's some depths, and we'll get into them in a second, that seem to be deep waters that are hard sometimes to figure out. 22.14 Blessed are they that wash their robes that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. That's why we sing the song, Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you expect to get entrance into heaven? It's not because of who you know in there of people. It's because you're washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's the only grounds for entrance into the city, the Holy Jerusalem, which will be the ultimate heaven of heavens for the child of God. That's the only question that's going to be asked. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And if you are, say hallelujah. Washed in the blood we praise the Lord for that, all of us who have come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus. Sad to say, though, in the book, the book of Revelation itself has been greatly distorted, sadly misused, and greatly abused. It has become the birthplace for many of a cult that has arisen. The Seventh-day Adventists have used the book of Revelation saying that if you don't keep Sunday, excuse me, Saturday as a day of worship, as a holy day, you will receive the mark of the beast. The JWs, Jehovah Witnesses, say that they, among them, have the 144,000, which is found in the book of, chapters, of Revelation chapter 7. David Koresh claimed to be the lamb of the book of Revelation. And was it 81 people that died in the fire that was set in the home that they were in. The Mormons believe that all the churches are classified, Revelation chapter 2, as the synagogues of Satan. And on and on we could go and how cults have utilized the book of Revelation for their devious purposes. The book of Revelation comes from, a, from various standpoints and Good brothers and sisters in the Lord have taken different positions on the interpretation of the book of Revelation that I wouldn't classify as heretical at all. But I do think the book, book of Revelation has these ingredients in it. It has a preteristic view, which means things that were happening in the first century were taking place right then and there. And as we read it now in the 21st century, those things have already occurred. There are things that happen in the book of Revelation that give us a second 
way of understanding the book of Revelation, having these ingredients of being a historistic view. That is, that it, it scans the whole period of church history. From the birthday of the church till the second coming of Christ, there are events that are happening now that we find mentioned in the book of Revelation. And lastly, and this is the most popular view, and I'm not saying it's the only view, for sure, I think it's all three of these views, and that is a futuristic view. It's unavoidable, unless you are a full preterist, which is a heretical position, you have to hold to a degree of futurism in the book of Revelation. Things that will happen way down the line, sooner or later, when there will be a new heavens and the new earth. Like we were reading in chapter 21, Behold, I create all things new. In that new heavens and the new earth, it describes it as being there'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more pain. What a day of rejoicing that will be. It'll wipe every tear from our eyes. What a scene that will be for the child of God. Yet on the other hand, it describes those whose names were not written in the book of life. The fearful and unbelieving, the cowardly, the liars, the murderers, the idolaters. They shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. What a contrast. Glory for the child of God. No tears, no pain, no sorrow, no sickness. And yet for the unconverted, the Bible says that it's there that the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. What a severe judgment that is. The book of Revelation is a book of varieties of numbers. One number that sticks out is the number seven. The number seven appears 42 different times in the book of Revelation. Let me give you some of them. Seven spirits, seven churches, seven lampstands, seven stars, seven seals, seven horns, seven angels, seven trumpets, seven thousand slain, seven heads, seven crowns, seven plagues, seven bowls, seven mountains. Can you see the symbolism here? That the book of Revelation is unique with the usage of the word seven? What does seven represent? Completeness or wholeness. We have the seven churches in chapters 1 to 3. This is the various scenes that are in the book of Revelation. It begins with the, with the letter to the letters, I should say, to the seven churches. And each of these churches were located in such a way geographically that a messenger traveling to these Various cities, Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos, Thyatira and so on, all seven of them, would go in one route in a circular fashion from one to the other to the other. That's the way that they are recorded. In chapters 4 and 5, we have the throne room scene. What a scene that is. Glory to the Lamb of God. All praise. They all fall down. They all worship. And with a loud voice, they give Him glory over and over again. Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for for Thy glory and honor they are created. Chapter 4, verse 11. Wow. No wonder the hymn writer says, The Lamb has all the glory in Emmanuel's land. He has all the preeminence anyway, but then He will be foremost. The high 
midst of all, given the place of great glory, and all the redeemed will say so unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Can you say that, my friend, today? Moving on, we have the seven seals, chapter 6 and verse 7. Seven trumpets, chapter 8 to 11. Then chapters 12 to 14, we have an interlude of a cosmic conflict between the dragon and the lamb. Then we have the seven bulls in chapters 15 and 16. Then we have the destruction of mystery Babylon, the great harlot, chapters 17 and 18. And then chapters 19, 20, 21, and 22, we have the final consummation. What a book. In the book we have the battle, the warfare that goes on between the good and the bad. The evil and the holy. The righteous one and the sinful one. The devil and the Lord. The devil is prominent in the book of Revelation. We have his given different titles, different names in the book of Revelation. He's called, of course, the devil. He's called the serpent. He's called the dragon. He's called Abaddon, which is in Hebrew that means destroyer. In Greek, the word is Apollyon, destroyer as well. Satan, he's called. And he's also called in chapter 12, the accuser of the brethren. You know, when Jesus prayed... This is truly the Lord's Prayer, John 17, not Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus taught His disciples to pray. But when Jesus is praying in John 17, that high priestly prayer, one of His various prayers is this. Father, I pray not that You would take them out of the world, but that You would keep them from what? The evil one. Keep them from the evil one. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. It is a fallacy to to think that the church is not in or going to go through tribulation. Jesus Himself says in John 16.33, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And He gives us peace through the tribulation. John himself, this is the standpoint that he writes the book from. I, John, was on the Isle of Patmos for the Word of God and for the testimony of Jesus. He himself was in tribulation. He says about the church of Philadelphia in the third chapter that the Lord would keep them from the hour of trial, temptation, or tribulation, which will come upon the whole world. And that's the Christian world as well. But we can be preserved through it. There'll be trials in it, but yet Jesus' prayer stands strong, praying for us that we would be delivered from the evil one. That is a great enemy of the church, of you and I. The devil, the world, and our own flesh. But 
the book of Revelation has a number of prominent words, and that is one of the prominent words we're viewed as being overcomers in the world. The book of Revelation gives us a lot of catastrophic conditions. And this is somewhat almost, you could say, it's almost like comic book style of language. It can be very alluring uh, to a casual reader. It's very enticing in the sense that it's super sensational. And I guess you could say it kind of matches some of the modern day movies with all of the various heroes, the Batmans and the Supermans and all of these sorts of things that are going on. We have words in the book of Revelation like hail and fire mingled with blood that were cast down from heaven. We have a burning mountain cast into the sea. We have reference to a third of the creatures who die. A third of the ships are destroyed. Stars fall from heaven. And a third of the waters become bitter and wormwood. A third of third part of the sun, moon, and stars are smitten. We have reference to the bottomless pit that's opened, and locusts come out with scorpion power, shaped like horses, gold crowned, hairs like women. Faces like men, they make sounds like the, a team of chariots, and they have stingers in their tails like scorpions. Wow. Talk about a, a, a comic book style of character depiction. The book of Revelation is filled with these kinds of images. We have a seven-headed beast. We have all kinds of miracles, earthquakes, thunders, lightnings. There's war in heaven. Michael the archangel fights against the dragon and his angels. There is this cosmic conflict. And we're a part of the cosmos. The cosmos. We're part of that. Sometimes it seems as if the world is spinning out of control. I was in the gym the other day and uh, we're talking to my son, as you know, is recovered from cancer and cancer-free thus far. And he was asking me questions about it. And then he said to me, you know, I know that personally myself. And he's a young man in his 30s. He says, my mother has had cancer since 2007. And my father last week was just detected with having bladder cancer and has really thrown his family into a tailspin. And, all, and I got a text from him later in the day. I praised the Lord for it, and I made it known right quickly. I said, I'm a pastor. I said, how can I be praying for your family? And hopefully that will lead to something beyond just communications about health and so on. But it does feel like that sometimes. Like, who's next? And what's next? You know, we, we see morals that just don't exist almost anymore in society. Our brother Rob gave us so many different examples of contemporary scenes, what, what is on the scene right now, and we just hang our head like, man, I, this wasn't the world that I grew up in 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. It's like a new world. 
And you say, when's it going to end? And what's going to be next? You almost don't want to read the newspaper anymore. I read it every, pretty much every day. I want to try to keep up on things, of course. And I was looking at the newspaper the other day, and just for my own benefit, I said, look at that. Three articles all about some horrible incident going on in the world right now. Or in, in even our city, for instance, our areas. Well, these are no surprises to God. It does seem as if things happen just by chance, maybe. Like there's no real control over anything going on. But the book, book of Revelation sets the record very much straight. The book of Revelation has varieties of references to blood. It tells us about one five about unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Five nine, these they out of every kindred tongue tribe and nation has redeemed us to God by thy blood. Praise the Lord, they're giving thanks to the Lord. Seven fourteen, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. 12.10 They overcame Him, that is the devil, by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. Now that's an interesting verse to me because it indicates the efficacy of the blood as not being a once and one only time of efficaciousness. But rather it has an ongoing reference for us. They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb. What does that mean? I think they overcame him, that is the devil, by a constant focus on the cross of Christ and what he accomplished for them at Calvary. We have the victory, brothers and sisters, in Jesus. That's why it says in Corinthians, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus even says, fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't fear those who can kill the body, because if the body is killed for a believer, it's absent from the body and present with the Lord. That's where we're going to spend eternity. Not here on this earth, but rather with the Lord of glory forever. Chapter twenty-two, fourteen: Blessed are they that rot, wash their robes, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. I made reference to that before. Blood. Be sure you are under the blood of the Lamb. Are you covered with the blood? Are you a blood washed child of God. It sounds gory, I know. But the Bible's teaching is that that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. That's not my blood. My blood is unclean. My blood has no cleansing power. But the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So be sure you're washed in the blood of the Lamb. There are some notable things in the book of Revelation that I think should draw our attention as well. We have a reference to the beast, to the false prophet, to the bottomless pit, to the serpent, to the overcomer, the 144,000, 666, the thousand years, the only place in the Bible where the thousand years are mentioned, Revelation 20. Mystery Babylon, the mock of the beast. Holy Jerusalem, 
the marriage supper of the Lamb. The great white throne and the great white horse. The Lamb's book of life. The new heavens and the new earth. Who wouldn't want to read the book of Revelation? Come on, brothers and sisters. Look what it has to offer. Look what it states. These are rich theological truths that we need to lay hold of. The book of Revelation begins with the blessing. Blessed is he that reads. How does the book of Revelation end? It ends with, Blessed are they that wash their robes, that they may enter in. But then a further ending is when it says, A warning for the one who would add to the book or detract from the book. God is protective, especially of the book of Revelation. Now I know we we would think because the book of Revelation is the last book in the canon of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and so on, and Revelation being the last 66th book, And because in that last book it says, if anyone will add or anyone takes away, God's going to take away his pot from the tree of life. He's not going to enter into the city. That that would have reference to the whole. And certainly it has that wider application, no doubt about it. The book of Revelation isn't saying that you can add to the other books of the Bible additional revelations to, to it. But I think it's re- referencing specifically the book of Revelation because the book is mentioned over and over again as being specific about itself. So any additions to it, and that's what the cults do. That's what some of the modernist religions want to do. They want to add things. And how do they do it? Claims that God is speaking to them independently. And in that independent revelation, they come up now with another religion or another way or another idea of what people ought to do and how they ought to live and the way they should maybe gather together in different fashions. It is written to the seven churches historically. But the cosmic controller and conqueror even though we may think at times, and we, you, you live long enough to know, come to brinks of time when it was just about ready to declare war with another country that could be devastating. There's only a button away from maybe nuclear bombs going off. And it seems as if man almost has control. It kind of drives me crazy when when I hear about climate control, and I'm thinking, and maybe because of my non-scientific mentality, I don't understand it. But it still would, maybe somebody can explain that to me, how man can control climate. If they can, it's got to be minimal, that's for sure. Because God is over all things. He's over the winds. The wind bloweth where it listeth. You hear the sound and can't tell where it's coming. God is even in control of that. He's even in control of your breath. In the book of Daniel, chapter 5.23, says to Belshazzar, the God in whose hand your breath is in, you have not glorified. The very breath you breathe is because God gives it to you. He's in control. 
Sometimes we worry, am I going to get sick and die of this sickness that I have or disease that I'm going to catch or this cancer that I have? How is it going to get cured? Sure, those are natural reactions to those sorts of things. Who wouldn't get a little antsy about that? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't. But if we think of the big picture, that God is in control. And the book of Revelation proves that God is in control. It does tell us, so look it, so that we don't have a wrong understanding of the present time. The Bible says we see not yet all things put under Him. We don't see everything put under Him right now. But the way the book of Revelation ends, He does put all things under His feet, doesn't He? He becomes a sovereign ruler of the new heavens and the new earth. He's the light of that city. He's the temple of that city. That's the kind of control God has. Remember when Jesus was uh, before Pontius Pilate, Pilate was in a quandary. He had a call from his wife who had that dream, have thou nothing to do with that just man. Because I have suffered many things because of him in a dream. And that gave him the heebie-jeebies. Like, whoa, who do I have on hand today? This is some special individual. He had to wash his hands publicly as, as if to try to clean his conscience before mankind. So he did have a desire to free the Lord Jesus. And in his interviews with Jesus, he was unsatisfied with the words of Christ. And came to a point and says, wait a minute, Jesus. Don't you understand that I have power to release you? Or I have power to crucify you. Yes, I'm the governor. I have direct authority from King Caesar. What does Jesus say to him? You have no power against me except what it was given thee from above. Isn't that something? No power at all against thee except it were given thee from above. Some of us had gone to uh, recently up to Holy Cross College and witnessed a uh, debate between an atheist, pronounced atheist, and a dear brother in the Lord, a Christian philosopher. And uh, when it came to the atheist's turn to get on the stage, and in the very beginning of his talk, he said that he grew up apparently in a Christian home, a Bible-believing fundamentalistic type home, it sounded like from his wording, he said that at the age of 15 he was challenged by a friend of his that said, think of this, it's a lot easier to understand the world without a God than understanding the world with a God. And he said, at first I was horrified by that. But he said, as I began to think that through, I did come to the conclusion that there isn't a God and that things are much more explainable with there being no God. God is a sham. It's a figment of man's imagination. He even went so far to say that the Bible and God have it all wrong because science has reviewed all of these things and proven the Bible and the Bible's depiction of heaven and truth and so on, and all these other various, hell and, and, and so on, as being fallacious. At least he thinks so. 
that question that was posed to him, things are better explained by there not being a God. And there are lots of people that are going in that direction, saying, yeah, there is no God. That's a hoax. That's a fluke. God doesn't exist. You people, and I've been accused of this, you probably have too. Oh, you're a weak person. That's why you need God in your life. Well, if it takes it to be weak, I'd rather be weak and have God than claim to be strong and not have God. Because everybody at some point is going to be weakened. The Bible says, when your fear and your destruction comes upon you, then shall they call upon me. When? When fear and, when things are out of your wheel and you can't control it. When you get news that's unbearable. When some catastrophe occurs and there's no answer to this and you're like destitute. Now what? That's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar when he was driven into the wilderness. He thought that he had control of everything. He looked over all of the, 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 the plains and the mountains and he praised himself that he was the king of all of these vast amounts of territories and peoples. Then immediately God drives him into the wilderness. And he becomes like a beast of the field. And during that time period, he says, and seven times went over him. Praise God for when people have a seven time period go over them, when they get back to brass tacks and say, whoa, whoa. Now I do know. What a confession Nebuchadnezzar comes to. Now I do know what? That the heavens do rule. The heavens do rule. The Christian, the child of God, the Bible-believing person says, Amen, I know He rules. He's seated at the right hand of God. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He said when He rose from the dead, All authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. I believe that. He has not exerted it yet physically, but spiritually, yes. Because everyone that gets saved comes right into His kingdom and He is the King over the kingdom that you and I are a part of. Praise God that we're servants in the kingdom of the King. What a place to be. What a consolation to know He's reigning over my life. And I want to submit myself to Him. And if you have never submitted yourself to Him, now, in this lifetime, beware the time will come when the Bible says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everyone will bow the knee to Him. Mohammed will bow the knee. Confucius, Buddha, all of the false religious Leaders of the past will all bow down and say, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amazing. People don't see God, do they? They don't see Him as ruling. They don't see His reign. They don't see His Lordship in exhibition. We who are children of God, we're like Abraham, like Moses rather. When he went through the wilderness, through all the trials and temptations, what does it say about him? It says that Moses endured, that is going through the wilderness, Moses endured in seeing him who is invisible. 
That's what we have, brothers and sisters, spiritual eyes to be able to see the invisible. The Bible says that God has seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I believe that. I don't quite figure that out. I don't quite grasp that whole concept. But that's the truth. When it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rules of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. We're in a spiritual battlefield right now. You know, when Elisha, who was being blamed for, for some of the difficulties that were happening at that time in the kingdom, they were, they were after him because he was to be blamed for various things. And this particular day, the servant of Elisha, when they woke up, they saw all the armies of the enemy surrounding them. And he, the servant became fearful immediately. And Elisha, what did he do? He prayed for his servant. He says, Lord, open the eyes of my servant that he might see. And the Lord opened his eyes and what did he see? He saw the heavenly host way outnumbering the armies of the enemies. That's what we need, brothers and sisters. We need those spiritual eyes to see these things. We don't see yet all things put unto Him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor. Do we see Him crowned? He's got the victory. He's the King. He's wearing the, he's wearing the, 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 uh, the crown on the throne in heaven. And someday he's coming back, how? Not on a donkey. That's what he rode when he was here in this earth. On a donkey. That's the lowest of the beasts. That's what for poor people. That's for the peasant people. When he's coming again, he's gonna come with power and glory. He's gonna ride on a great white horse. With his vesture dipped what? In blood. In blood. That's what they did with Joseph's multicolored garment, didn't they? They dipped it in the blood of the beast and they turned it over to the Father and they said, some beast has gotten him. Jesus' garment will be dipped in blood. For what purpose? The avenger of blood. When Jesus returns, He's coming for two purposes. To bring us, His children, to be with Him forever but also to bring judgment upon the world of the ungodly. In what class are you? How will that white horse be met by you? With Jesus having on His thigh His name written, the Word of God. Oh, come on, brothers and sisters. This is good stuff here, the book of Revelation. A cosmic controller and conqueror. John, who's the author of the book of Revelation in chapter 6, 65 of the Gospel of John, says, No man can come to me except that were given unto him of my Father. That's where the control comes from. Some of you, probably all of you know the song. It goes back maybe to Terry's era when she was in kindergarten married. Maybe they taught it to her. I bet. He's got the whole world. 
In His hands, He's got the whole world. Hey, you think I can get on a music group back here? He's got the whole, He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got you and me, brother. He's got you and me, sister. He's got the little bitty baby. He's got the whole world in His hands. I am so glad that I'm not in control that He is. And I believe that. The atheist thinks it's better to understand the world without a belief in God. That that explains things better. For them it does. Because you know why? The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. If you're not saved, you're a fool. That's why you don't see God. That's why you don't care about God. That's why you don't even want to look to God or believe in God or humble themselves before God because they don't believe it. And their unbelief is not being challenged right now. When Noah was building an ark, who challenged him? But the Bible says, but then when Noah entered into the ark, the flood came and destroyed them all. When Lot went out of the city, fire and brimstone came down from heaven and destroyed them all. There's a day coming when the Lord will return and justice will reign. Righteousness, it says, will reign Forever and ever and ever. When He will have dominion and glory and honor and praise. We the redeemed of the Lord, we can say so now. We praise Him for the precious blood that was shed for us at Calvary. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus. We rejoice in Him. He does have the whole world in His hands. He is our great conqueror and controller from... The heavens above. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? This is the book of Revelation, brothers and sisters. And this is why, after the picture's been painted for 22 chapters, the conclusion of it is what? What what is the church saying? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. If He hasn't come into your life now... You cannot look forward to that that day when He will come again. Because if He's not in your life now, He doesn't come into your life then. You must repent and obey from your heart the Gospel of Jesus Christ or you will be lost through eternity. This is what the Bible says. God is not a man that He should lie. These are the truths of God. Repent, believe from your heart the Gospel of Jesus Christ. He is on the throne. He's reigning. He's coming again with the victory. And we will all sing unto Him when He returns. Thanks to the Lord for the victory that is in Christ Jesus. Let's bow our heads and pray.